Tandem Nomads, episode 31. I can, I can honestly say that there are very few people that, have, that can stay conscious while you're raising children and getting married and moving from country to country uh, that all of us have not forgotten at some point mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves or to put ourselves up first. And, you know, forgetting yourself is a bad idea. Because you're everything, everything suffers from there. It's it's really like a domino effect. And the moment you say, "All right, no, I have to take care of myself," then the shifts happen by themselves. Also, in a domino way, the more you take care of yourself, the more things fall into place all around you. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Emel Dragi, and I'm very, very happy to introduce you to our guest today, Rashmi Agavala Zimberg. Rashmi, are you ready for the ride? Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So Rashmi grew up in India and studied in the U.S. Today she lives in Japan with her husband and two daughters. Previously, they also lived in Algeria, Indonesia, and Austria. Before going into this global nomadic journey, Rashmi graduated from an MBA, built a career in business management and worked for 15 years in different industries like finance, transportation and mobile communications. And in addition to uh, to that, she completed cross-cultural and management training programs for senior executives. She also exten- extensively studied one of her passions, food and Ayurveda. <laughs> she was even teaching Indian cooking classes at the New York School Culinary Institute in New York. So since she joined her husband in these different postings abroad, and while managing the responsibilities of a diplomatic spouse, Rashmi continued to invest in her personal and professional growth. She continued practicing Ayurveda cooking, but she also became a certified coach. So today she helps her clients transform their lives and reach their goals. So Rashmi, this is a very, very, very short uh, you know, summary of all the things you have done all these years. Is there anything important I miss and what's happening today in your life? Well, that's wonderful. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure it really played out just like that. But yes, um, you know, lots is happening in my life right now. Uh, being, Being a diplomatic spouse takes you from one place to another and you have to stand on your feet right away. Running. And um, let's see, uh, I think what's, what's important that I would like to share is um, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun going from one place to another. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to discover new worlds. It's exciting to, for me, the most exciting part is to reinvent yourself every four years. Or have a chance, or at least it's a privilege to say, all right, I didn't like that about my life. Here we go. I have a chance to fix that and change it 
and describe myself differently. And I think that is amazing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It is. Yeah. So tell yeah. me how this journey started. I mean, you were in New York when you met with her husband. Uh, take yes. us through the steps. Well, I met my husband eight years before I married him. So, uh, yes, I lived in New York for many years, 22. And um, I was working and life was going on just fine until I met him. And then the, it meant that my life in New York had to change because uh, he was a diplomat, a young diplomat, and was going uh, back to Austria uh, right after we met. And we did that because we weren't sure what we were going to do. And I continued to uh, pursue my own career. And actually, my career, since I met him, my career goals started to shift. I sort of understood that I couldn't continue to be um, in finance and work in the transportation industry or for a bank or anybody else. I had to get flexible. So I started to do cross-cultural training. And I found that organizational development and organizational behavior was something that I loved. And... Uh, I started to get many clients, and often I used to meet people. Uh, the company that I was working through would often connect me with people that were senior-level executives because, because they felt more credibility while speaking to me mm -hmm. and allowed me more access to their spouses, which, is where, which, which was what I was after because I wanted to really get to know uh, where the spouses were standing and where they could get themselves, you know, after a few conversations and also a little bit of help because, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be a trailing spouse. It is. And um, while, while it is very rewarding, it's very hard to say, I won't do what really makes me tick because my husband needs to do what makes him tick. So how did you make this decision? Because you were very successful in your career before you decided to join him. What, what encouraged it, it you? Wasn't, to... it, it wasn't a rational decision. <laughs> <laughs> it was love and that's the way it needed to be. And so uh, it happened, you know, we moved to Algiers when we first got married and I was, I had sort of braced myself and I was almost ready to, uh, I was going to write about food, I was going to write about, uh, I was going to do cross-cultural training. But when I got to Algiers, the internet didn't work. Mm. So that took care of that. But it did not stop me from discovering food. And it didn't stop me from discovering um, what was important for me to discover because, you know, um, the first year of marriage is a very important year. Mm -hmm. And we had absolutely no interference from the rest of the world because we were isolated. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the diplomatic community in Algiers and the friends that I made in Algiers were very wonderful. So we discovered Algiers and it was a wonderful time. And 
uh, every once in a while, I would miss my life in New York, but my life in Algiers took on a different meaning. And that's the interesting part. And uh, so we, you know, from Algiers, uh, I was pregnant with my first child, and we couldn't, I couldn't give birth in Algiers. And we uh, had our, um, our posting to Indonesia was fixed. So we moved to Indonesia when I was seven months pregnant. And we found, so that was hard. That was not easy to pack boxes and unpack boxes and then go give birth in a place where I couldn't speak the language. Mm. Uh, you know, as you know, languages make a big difference. It does. And um, in Algiers, I didn't know any French and I had to run my house. So before learning German, I had to learn French. Mm. And I didn't do a very good job because we were there only a year. But I w was able to run my house and do my basics mm -hmm. with my rudimentary French. And then Indonesia, you know, it's baptism by fire, isn't it? <laughs> All the time. Yeah. So we, um, I was there and I had to um, take care of myself without, uh, surrounded by people that really didn't speak English. They spoke Bahasa Indonesia. So I had a crash course in uh, medical and baby language Bahasa Indonesia. <laughs> and that was exciting too, mm. you know. And um, it was wonderful to be in an Asian country with my husband after many years because I'd lived in the States. And even though this was in India, Indonesia was very refreshing in its Asian ways Definitely. and supportive, you know. Uh, so every, every place held some sort of new discovery. Mm -hmm. And my way of navigating any new place is through food. And I uh, became absolutely um, driven to a point of obsession because we had an Indonesian uh, cook who had been taught by my Austrian predecessors to cook typical Austrian food. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a place like Indonesia, she was making canoodle with butter and cream and sauces, and that was making me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So she and I uh, battled for a bit, and then we discovered a new kind of Austrian cuisine. I mean, Austrian cuisine has lots of um, elements. So we uh, concentrated on Austrian soups, and we concentrated on cold soups, and we did salads, and we did fish, and um, we created... Um, Pastete, you know, mm -hmm. and so different kinds of foods that would fit the climate. So it's, is it in Indonesia where you got to really practice your Ayurvedic um, yes, yes. Uh, passion? Well, because the, when I was pregnant, I started to follow an Ayurvedic diet. And I started to explore all the natural remedies because I was already 41 and I wanted to... Uh, take care of myself and I was not in my 
uh, environment that I was used to. You mm. know, my gynecologist in New York said, are you crazy? You're going to give birth in Indonesia? And I thought, wait, there are 160 million people here that give birth. I can, I can certainly do that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after Indonesia, yeah. you went to Austria, and from Austria you went to Japan, if I understand well. Yes, that's okay. right. Okay. And um, so we were in Indonesia for five years. Both my children were born there, and I um, spent time learning Ayurveda, raising my children that way, and myself, and really exploring spices and the world of spices. And then we moved to Vienna. And this was the first time that I had lived in the country of my marriage. Mm. And uh, this was a home posting. So when you are at a home posting, it's no longer a connection with the diplomatic community. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to discover my own and, and develop my own resources while my husband was at work. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's very often the case with all of us because husbands go to work and that's what they have to do. And we have to discover our own environment mm -hmm. and set up the household mm -hmm. and the children and um, everything. So, uh, the, I didn't know German, so I was really um, struggling in the beginning. And then we, I studied German, and uh, the children started to grow, and I uh, started to teach English in the children's kindergarten just to get myself out. Mm -hmm. And um, I was still navigating my life in Austria through food, talking to people about food. Um, I met a group of very interesting women, and they uh, all were international women. And what we had in common were they were professionals and foodies and married to Austrians and living in Vienna. So we had what we called the Gourmet Girls Group. And we had fun together. We discovered different culinary areas in Austria. We discovered vineyards together. We cooked together. We, not just Austrian food, all kinds of food, so that we could all share our passions. Mm -hmm. And so this was a wonderful network for me. And uh, this network helped me through many hard times, many fun times. And uh, we went on to... Um, then I realized the children were a little bigger and I said, I'd gone back to New York and I met my old friends and they said, what are you doing? And mm -hmm. I said, I'm waiting to do. <laughs> and uh, a colleague of mine said, you have to do, uh, you should join the Coaches Training Institute and, and they have uh, programs in Europe. So check that out. And so I did that, and I joined the Coaches Training Institute, and I got myself trained in Heidelberg. But, you know, there were coaches that came from all over the world, and it was great. Okay. I could uh, move on and um, do my coaches training. But 
just when I had started to develop my uh, clientele in Vienna, it was time to move. <laughs> we know that so well. <laughs> you know that well, right? <laughs> so uh, the good thing about this is that even when I can't practice on, uh, I, when I don't have a stream of clients, I still have that training as a backup to help myself navigate my own life. Mm -hmm. Because uh, just because we're moving, that doesn't mean life doesn't stop. Definitely. Or life stops, you know. Mm -hmm. We have to uh, juggle everything together, right? Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. You, you had an amazing journey and you've done so many things and, and you have so many passions and you learned so many things between cooking, between cross-cultural management and coaching, plus your background in business and your family background and the fact that it, it is a job itself to be a diplomatic spouse. So if, if you meet with somebody and they ask you, what do you do? What's your answer today in 10 seconds? Um, I'm a trailing spouse. I'm, uh, the, the first thing is I'm a full-time mother and trailing spouse, mm -hmm. but I'm a foodie at heart and a coach. Interesting. And do and do people understand when you explain what it's uh, when you say you're a training spouse? Is it a common term around you? Well, you know, in uh, in the international community, it is because many colleagues are. Although more and more are pursuing their own careers mm -hmm. at the same time. Interesting. But you know, as the children grow up, you can these days with the internet. Um, one is able to have access to so much. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm talking to you when you're sitting in New York. Yeah, and and I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in Tokyo as the sun rises. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I can't believe Skype it. is amazing. Yeah. I don't know how we would do without it. <laughs> yeah. So now basically you're a coach and you also, you still practice Ayurveda for yourself or do you also teach Ayurveda? You know, I, I'm I'm not teaching Ayurveda. I'm okay. not an Ayurvedic practitioner. Okay. What I do is I uh, do lectures on spices, mm -hmm. and I do lectures on. Um, I'm preparing for a lecture on uh, that's going to be food is your medicine, uh, your kitchen is your pharmacy, and so I do a lot related with food. And I talk about food because food is such a passion. And my biggest thing in Tokyo is, is that I'm showcasing Austrian food and making it important and um, publicizing it and exp experimenting with uh, Austrian food in Japan. Mm. So uh, that takes on, you know, that helps me uh, represent Austria mm -hmm. with a with a passion that is mine and an authenticity that is mine. I have explored Austrian food so I can talk about it okay. and I can deal with it. So what are your revenue streams today? Because we talk a lot in the show about, you know, all the ways we can create revenue. Money is not the most important, but sometimes it does help to build our, yes, yes. you know, safety net and financial independence. Um, so do you have any revenue streams? Uh, some. I can't say that I have a regular um, rich revenue stream, but my revenue stream comes from my coaching oh. and from my lectures 
that I pr- provide at the Hattori cr- uh, Cooking School. Very good. So how do you find your clients? Um, through word of mouth. Because mm-hmm. I saw you don't have a website. So I, was I don't have a website. Um, I don't have a website. I haven't done that yet. Uh, but I, I'm, because I'm still trying to figure out what would be my best um what would work best for my clients and myself? Mm-hmm. What, how, how could I serve them and myself best? What, what is the kind of coaching that would be the best for me? Mm-hmm. And so while I'm still preparing that, and for what's coming out is uh, nutritional and food coaching is what seems to be my story. Absolutely. You're just you know, combining your talents and, and offering them to people who need it. Yeah, exactly. Amazing, yeah. So you've been and discovering it while I'm going along. Yeah, I guess this is the amazing thing about you know our journeys and and nomadic journeys and the global travels. Uh, it's that we grow with our experiences. Absolutely, oh. every place we go uh, forces us to grow, mm, yeah. whether we want it or not. <laughs> I think we have to take also the that opportunity i guess if you yeah, don't invest ourselves in learning yes, exploring yes. like you did you know you explored yeah. cross culture management uh, the first time you went with your husband and then you explored coaching you explored yeah. ayurveda you really took from your time to to grow personally which helped you grow per- professionally defective exactly yeah exactly and this exactly. is i think this is one of the things I, I like about your profile is that is how many examples we can give through your story of all the things we can do to grow and learn and make sure that we build something along the journey for ourselves and that's it isn't it <laughs> that if if we uh, do something for ourselves then we can do more for others right exactly Mom. and we forget that yeah can you talk about that? You said, you know, we forget that. What do you mean by that? We forget that we have to take care of ourselves first. Yeah. And um, I, can, I can honestly say that there are very few people that, have, that can stay conscious while you're raising children and getting married and moving from country to country uh, that all of us have not forgotten at some point mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves or to put ourselves uh, up first. Definitely. And I think the yeah. danger is to lose and forget who we are uh, yes. in this journey. We can easily forget who we are. And I think this is why I, I created Tandem Nomads is because I yes. realized that it's so easy to have to lose our identities because we have to mutate all the time and adapt to the countries we are and adapt to the situation of our partners and to the kids for those who have kids. And suddenly we forget ourselves, like you said. Yeah. And, you know, forgetting yourself is a bad idea because you're everything, everything suffers from there. It's, it's really like a domino effect. Mm, And the moment you say, all right, no, I have to take care of myself, then the shifts happen by themselves, also in a domino way. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you take care of yourself, the more things fall into place all around you. 
Definitely. The virtual circle. <laughs> the virtual uh, vicious circle. Yeah. <laughs> you have the vicious circle if you don't take care of that yourself. And as soon as yeah. you start doing it, suddenly things open up. It's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Then it becomes the virtual circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you're a family, you know, you're a family yes. four and, and, and you've been... Like you said, supporting your husband a lot as a spouse of a diplomat and, and taking care of your two daughters and, and also growing. So I think it, it must take a lot of time, plus all the relocations. So how do you support each other as a family and as a couple while you move from a country to another? Um, you know, I would say that uh, we have complementary uh support. Um, I do, we have good division of labor between my husband and I, uh, especially when it comes to moving. And um, when I let him, then he really looks after the kids. Mm -hmm. But that's also, uh, everybody has their ways of um, dividing things. And, you know, what I do is I uh, do the discovery part. I figure out because I'm curious and I like to discover. So I discover a new environment and set up the logistics while he prepares what I need to do in order to go discover, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, when our boxes arrive, I take care of uh, the house and he takes care of all, the, all our food that comes with our shipment and the wine. <laughs> Important, huh? <laughs> Important. <laughs> so yeah. from all the countries you've been living in, um, was there a moment that you considered as your toughest moment living abroad? Um, I haven't had that in Japan. Uh, because Japan is such a wonderful place. But um, I think everywhere there are some moments where you, where you feel, ah, that was hard. Mm -hmm. How am I going to navigate that? But What was uh, the yes, biggest challenge for you as, you know, as I an think for partner? Me, uh, I think for me, uh, living in Austria and being uh, not speaking German, in the beginning, was very hard, and also because it was a, it, because it was a foreign posting for me, and not for my husband. Mm. That's why it was hard. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, and you know, I had the, this one moment when we moved there, and my children and were very little and only spoke English, Did they didn't speak German yet. And they said, I was leaving the house and we still had our babysitter from Indonesia. And I asked my children, what do you want? And they said, can you bring us an English speaking friend when you come home? <laughs> and I was so moved by that because I didn't have an English speaking friend that I could bring. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, called somebody I knew and I said, where is the AWA, the American Women's Association? Mm -hmm. And uh, they told me and they said, you know, you're in luck. Today they have a meeting in the first district. So I walked into that meeting 
And I met all these American women that made me feel at home right away. And I said, you know, I need a friend for my children to take home with me. <laughs> and you know what? I got one. I got a, a, another. There was another lady. She was German and her husband was American and her daughter spoke English and she was this. She had the same name as my daughter, so that's who I took home. Oh, this is amazing! <laughs> this is such a nice story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess language is very important for kids. We we should not forget that uh, that the kids also need to go through a lot of adjustments, and it must be difficult Absolutely. for parents to also sometimes guide the kids through those culture, um, you know, changes and and transitions. So it's kind of interesting to see how kids express it very yes openly, like without no. Comp Can you just bring me? friend that speaks English. And you, yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, or they would, uh, one of my, one, one child said, when I speak English, I speak like a uh, grown-up. And she was five years old. And, but when I speak German, I speak like a baby. I hate that. Mm -hmm. You know? So language is a very important thing. Yeah. Yeah, very important, I guess. Yes, yes. So, you, what have you learned from all of these experiences abroad? What is the one thing that you learned from it? Uh, that it's a privilege to live in so many wonderful places. And in every place that we live, we discover that the more different we think we are, the more we have in common. Mm -hmm. That people are really the same all over the place. And it's it's really a privilege to discover so many different worlds and live in them and understand them. Or at least just scratch the surface of understanding. Yeah, so right. So what would be your advice to be able to enjoy it and, and see it that way and enjoy that, that ride abroad? Um. I, I don't know if there's a single piece of advice. You but can give more than one. <laughs> yeah, for, but for me, it's really, it, it's a journey and it's an exciting journey. And it's something, it's time to be where you are and enjoy it. Mm. You know, you know, there's a wonderful uh, book by John Kabat-Zinn that says, wherever you go, there you are. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of my favorite books. And, um, but I know that other people also like this book. But one of the things about that is that every place we go, it's an opportunity to be there. To be fully there, like aware. To be fully there. Yeah, aware and present and, and yes. embrace the moment somehow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's it. I agree with you. It's very important because yeah. it's one thing to be physically somewhere and it's another thing to really embrace that experience and take full advantage of it. And I think from my experience, it, I mean, it comes also with the fact that we try to manage our daily life, day to day, adapt, adapt, and then suddenly the time has passed and we have to leave. Yes. And I think for us, the challenge as expat partners is to make sure that we do take the time to embrace that moment and live it fully, let it knowing that it might finish one day. So we have to leave in the most positive way possible. 
and, exactly. and, and, and try to make sure that our memories of that transition of that time in a certain country stay positive and what we could do to make the best out of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that, that's what you're doing. That's what you're um, also sharing stories. That's exactly uh, what you're doing, is making sure that people don't forget yeah. that there's so many ways of being in different places. Yeah, so true, so true. Yeah. Um, so, actually, before we say goodbye, I would like to go through the spinning round with you. Okay. So what are your plans for the coming two years? Uh, my plans for the coming two years are to discover a new posting. Uh, we are going to Australia. Okay. And uh, I plan to discover my uh, food nutritional coaching life and make it bigger while we're in Australia. Fantastic. We talked about Skype, how amazing it is that we can talk yes. so far. Is there another internet resource you find very useful in this nomadic life? You know, I use WhatsApp and I use uh, FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think they're fantastic along with Skype because it makes a big difference to stay connected with uh, friends and family. Definitely. You mentioned a book just before called uh, Wherever You Go, You Are, right? Wherever you go, there you are, there you by are. John Kabat-Zinn. Yes. But I have another book that I want to mention. It's called Please. The Gifts of Imperfection by Bren Brown. And she has a wonderful talk on vulnerability uh, on the Internet that is absolutely inspirational. Okay, great. And she, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you know about it, but... Uh, this gifts of in imperfection is something that really helps you on your journey. You know, how did Life, it help you? Uh, it you know it lies next to my bedside table to as a reminder that whatever is happening is fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's a beautiful message to end with, Rashmi. <laughs> But before we say goodbye, is there any way if somebody has some questions to ask you, how could we reach you? Uh, via my email it's shayrush at gmail.com okay Nomad Nation I will put Rashmi's information and book recommendations on the show notes page of this episode and Rashmi it's been wonderful talking to you I really really enjoyed it you have such a great energy and I can't thank wait you. to follow the rest of your journey thank you very much Amel it was wonderful to talk to you what a great opportunity thank you you're very welcome If you enjoyed this episode and find it useful to you, don't hesitate to share it, leave your comment and review. To comment, go to tandemnomads.com, go to the page of this episode and leave your comment at the end of this page. And please do not hesitate to leave a review for me. That would be very, very appreciated. You just need to go to the page of this episode. Underneath the play bar, there is a yellow button that says leave a review. Thank you.